You are listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome to The Game Plan as we get you set for the Las Vegas Raiders 6-5 at the winless New York Jets 0-11 Sunday, December 6, 2020. It's another early start, 10 a.m. Pacific time at Met. Live Stadium. A lot to get to as we prepare you for the Jets and what's in store for the Raiders on the back end of the season. Coming off a really tough loss to the Atlanta Falcons, 43-6, to in a game where the Raiders didn't have much at all. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that game. I spent a ton of time on the radio with it this week, talking to fans. Fans are done with it. Fans want to move on. And I'm hoping with this audience, you'll understand that the Raiders now have no room. No room to make any more mistakes the rest of the way. That game in Atlanta has got to be put behind this organization, and they got to be ready to play against a team that doesn't seem to have much to play for from the top down, but you know those Jet players with pride will want to beat the Raiders, so the Raiders are in a big spot here. We'll take a quick look at the last game. Also, our guest, Bob Wischusen, the voice of the Jets, Anthony Beck, He's on the pre- and post-game for the Jets and one of the greatest football players of all time on the all-time 100 anniversary team, former Raider and legendary Super Bowl champion Rod Woodson, our special guest as we get going. Going back to the last game, Raiders started slow. Atlanta came to play. Raheem Morris had his players ready to go. But early on, Carr found rugs, and we've been looking for this matchup and this partnership to get going. So Gruden says, let's see if we can get the three on this fourth down. They fail once earlier on fourth and one. Here's Carr looking to go deep down that right side. Battle. Ruggs has got it. Tiptoes. Dives out of bounds inside the five-yard line. Henry Ruggs burns the Falcons on fourth and three. What a huge play. That's something Brett Musburger on the call we've been waiting for, to throw it to Ruggs, let him go get a 50-50 ball. He almost got in the end zone. I think if he got in the end zone, if he was able to stay in bounds, that could have changed the momentum of the game early. The Raiders didn't get a touchdown on that drive right there at the goal line, and everything started to come apart there. They didn't have Julio Jones, but Ridley was the guy they needed to cover, and they didn't on this play. This is fourth down. They could get a first down. It's fourth and three. They'll snap it from the five. Ryan taking a look now, trying to draw them offside. Takes a snap from the gun, looks into the end zone, steps up, hit as he throws, caught in the back of the end zone for a touchdown by Ridley. Calvin Ridley finally got himself loose in the back of the end zone and makes the catch for the touchdown. He went unguarded, kind of like Kelsey did. On Sunday Night Football, that last play, that just can't happen. The Raiders got to do a better job finding the primary target on the other team. After the game, John Gruden does something he really does quickly in a press conference. He apologized to the Raider Nation. It's like to say, um, you know, apologize to the Raider Nation. It really compliment the Falcons. They played a hell of a football game, and um, we did not. The turnovers... Um, the penalties, inexcusable. It's a reflection of me. We're a lot better team than that. All right, so I talked to Coach Gruden this week on the Silver and Black show, and he's completely focused. 
This was a rough week leading up to this Jet game. Monday and Tuesday, they weren't allowed in the facility. Coach Gruden was working from home, doing Zoom meetings from home. Think of this. And the challenges for coaches all around the league. Then he goes to practice, but he understands that all week fans are asking, media is asking, what about the Jets, the team that hasn't won a game? Well, I don't really think about it that much. I try to tell that to our players today. Uh, the Raiders are starving for wins. We haven't been in the postseason, I don't know when, in a long time. I don't really worry about anybody else's mindset. I worry about our mindset. We have to have a starving-to-death mentality to get back in the postseason. And the Jets are going to play hard. You watch that game last week against Miami. You watch them play uh, close against the Chargers every week. They're, they're a handful. And uh, they got a young team trying to make their way in this league. And it's going to be tough. We got to go on another long trip on another short week. And we got to be isolated again wearing masks. Uh, there's easy to, uh, to, to say that there's distractions, but we got to worry about ourselves. We have to have a collective urgency to, to play our best football this week, no matter who we play. I always think he's urgent. Every time I'm around him, talk to him, listen to him. There's always a sense of urgency with Coach Gruden. He wants to win every second of every game. That was a tough loss, and they better be better in this game coming up. Big week for Derek Carr. First, congratulations to Derek and his wife on the birth of their daughter. That was a huge deal for the Carr family. It was all over social media. Again, Derek, congratulations to his growing family, and I know a lot of people wished him well. Also, Derek was nominated for the 2020 Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award, which is a big deal. 32 teams, 32 players. He's the Raiders nominee, and he's having a really good season. But he's got to get past that loss and have them ready for this upcoming game. This is go time for Carr. It, yeah, it absolutely felt that way. Um, I, I didn't think, we were, personally, we had our best week of practice. Personally, thought we were a little flat. Um, clearly, that was the case in the game. And uh, anytime you turn the ball over like that, you're not, you're not going to win football games. You know, that's very rare. Uh, percentages are really low, so um, yeah, they haven't felt this way in a while, so it's, uh, it's a gut punch uh, for sure. A lot of people shook their heads about that because Coach Gruden came back and said that they practice well, whatever it was. If it wasn't right, if it didn't click perfectly, it's got to click from here on out. Uh, just quickly, some stats as I always do. It's incredible with the Jets. They're ranked dead last, 32nd, 32 out of 32 in these categories. Total offense, dead last. Passed off offense, 170 yards, dead last. Points per game, only 13.8, dead last. We move on to third down efficiency, 31.4. That's ranked last, 32nd in the league. And red zone offense, 32nd, dead last. Even on defense, their pass defense is ranked 30th. Points per game, 29th. Problem for the Raiders is that defense has got to get going. They did not play well. The Raiders are ranked 22nd overall in total defense, 12th against the rush, 27th against the pass, and 28th with points. Look, the Raiders are giving up 29 points a game, and the Jets are giving up 29.3. So both of these defenses are almost giving up 30 points a game. Something's going to have to give in this game. So we've got to keep an eye on the Raiders here on the game plan, starting fast. they got to start fast. Can't have turnovers. The turnovers are now becoming a problem again. They're minus three, and that's 23rd in the league. The Jets are right at even at 17th. So they can't give Sam Darnold the short field. They can't let Frank Gore have it first and goal on the five. got to secure the football. 
and play well and play with the lead. You know, I think we get stuffed on a fourth and one. And then I think on the very next play, we have a play-action pass, and then we get a sack strip fumble. So I think it started there. I think the turnover at the end of the first half, uh, we're moving the ball. We're going to get some points. And then the third quarter, I mean, it's, it wasn't good. And it snowballed on us today. And uh, I've seen it happen before, but it can't happen again. We continue on the game plan as we get you set for the Raiders at the Jets, one of the premier play-by-play voices in all of sports. Bob Wachusen joins us from ESPN College Football, and he is the voice of the Jets. Bob, I hope you're doing great. I'll jump right in and start off. This is a great rivalry. I went back to the 60s, to the mid-70s. This was one of the best long-distant rivalries in the AFL and the NFL. How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, this is one of your Jets fan I grew up on. Um, you know, there's something about the Raiders, something about those uniforms. Uh, if the Jets weren't playing Raiders this time of the year, it'd be dark out at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in New York, and you get Raiders Chiefs or Raiders Broncos on TV at like the late time slot on a Sunday afternoon. So, yeah, I mean, there's no question. And the Raiders are a national brand. Um, whenever we've had fans, and hopefully we get back to that sooner rather than later, when the Raiders come to New York, it's always one of the biggest and loudest visiting crowds that comes in because there's just Raider fans everywhere. Yeah, I agree. I grew up in Long Island and Massapequa, and I remember those same years growing up for the late game. And, you know, I've been with the team 22 years out west here, and when the Jet game comes, it's just history. It's more history, obviously, than the Giants. And from the Heidi game to Namath to Ben Davidson to Madden to Weeb Eubanks, it, it means something. And last year the Raiders went in, Bob, with everything on the line. And the Jets smoked them, and it really unraveled the Raiders, who went wide, one and five down the stretch, and we're in the same boat they are, almost coming into the game last year. What do you remember about that game last year with the Jets, and why they were so good against the Raiders? Yeah, I remember being surprised that they played as well as they played. They had an extraordinary game defensively, if I remember right. But you know, the Jets were a weird team last year. Um, you know, Sam Darnold got mono. And they started off the year one and seven. And by the time he finally kind of got his feet back underneath and their season was over. But then the Raider game was part of the last stretch, the second half of the year, where they went six and two in their last eight games. And against a couple of teams that had a lot to play for, the Raiders probably at the top of that list that the Jets beat. And it gave a Jet fan a reason to think that this year might be okay. And then it has just come apart at the seams. Um, they've, you know, they've been disappointing in just about every area. So, you know, while there might be some similarity for a Raider fan going, oh, man, last year we lost to the Jets on the road. We had a lot to play for. This is a radically different Jet team they're coming in to play on Sunday. I mean, it's not, it's not even a reasonable facsimile of what they played last year. Bob, you know, John Gruden said he thinks this is going to be, you know, a fight, a street fight. Gruden's got to do something to get the Raiders up. After that performance in Atlanta, which was really a struggle here, when you look from a Raiders perspective of Carr on the year and everything he's done so far, he's having a hell of a year outside the MVP, you know, top four or five, but not that much farther out of it until that game. Last Sunday in Atlanta, what have you seen from the Raiders with that offense and why the Raiders could match up well against the Jets' defense? Well, they're really balanced. I mean, with Jacobs running it, Waller, I think, is a really nice tight end. They have three receivers that all can hurt you kind of with equal effectiveness. Um, And Carr's playing the best football I think he's ever played. 
So, but not an accident that he has a coach that certainly knows how to craft an offense around him. And the fact that those guys have now been together for a little while with what they're doing this year than he was last year. Throw in the fact as well that they're, you know, they're playing a Jet team that, you know, everyone has gotten healthy against. Everyone has gotten right playing against the Jets, uh, it seems, this year. And, and to me, what happened last week was probably a worst-case scenario from a Jets standpoint because they're going to have one of these teams come in feeling good about themselves and kind of sleepwalk through the game and not have their antennas up and not be in that kind of you know must-win situation or angry about what happened the week before and they're going to come in maybe with their hair on fire, you know, saying not two weeks in a row. Well, I mean, what, what do the Jets get but the Raiders coming off of their, you know, most miserable performance of the season last week against a bad team? So this, I mean, to me, what the Jets needed were the Raiders to come in here off of winning like 45 to yeah. 6, not losing 45 to 9 or whatever it was, not losing 45 to 9. So um, it's, you know. <laughs> I don't think this bodes very well for them knowing that the Raiders are, I would think, going to come in here having it drilled into them by their coaches and by Coach Gruden every single minute of the day until kickoff on Sunday that you have to bounce back from how you played last. Bob Wischusen is the voice of the Jets. He joins us on the game plan. Uh, Bob, what is going right for the Jets? I know Quinn and Williams is playing well. And they have some explosive playmakers on the outside. What do the Raiders need to worry about? Because that defense has been struggling. Paul Gunther's defense for most of the year, especially with injuries, trying to get guys off of COVID-19 and trying to get some chemistry with that young secondary. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that the Jets have to hold on to right now, and any time a team is going through a year that they're going through, I mean, all, you know, the way they're going through it, the only thing you could look to is the future. And you ask yourself, do we have any pieces that we can feel good about going forward? Are there at least some foundational guys here that we can build with? And there are. You know, Quinn and Williams has been really good. They got Denzel Mims back three weeks ago, as the rookie receiver from Baylor. He's been really good. Whenever Makai Becton, the tackle they drafted in the first round, has been healthy this year, I think he's been the offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. I mean, he has been completely and totally dominant. So there are some pieces there. The only time the Jets have been a functional offense this season, and it hasn't even been with Sam Darnold, it's been with Joe Flacco, and it's been when they've had their three receivers all healthy and they've thrown the ball down the field to those guys. So Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, Rashad Perriman. That's it. That's been their offense, and it really was only in a two-week stretch where they scored five touchdowns three weeks ago and two weeks ago. Now, this past week... Sam Darnold came back, and it was probably the most disappointing outing of Sam Darnold's career as a Jet so far, I think, because it was supposed to finally be Sam Darnold's back. He's healthy. He's got the three receivers. We've been waiting all year for him to have these guys to play with, and they couldn't make a first down, and they scored three points in the game. So, you know, I would think hopefully Sam will be a much different-looking player on Sunday. But, yeah, I mean, if you're a Raider fan – as long as the ball doesn't go over your heads to one of the three jet receivers, they have not been able to put consistent drives together and points on the board at any point all year. About Frank Gore on the ground, he's got a lot to play for. He hung around for games like this. 
I would think. I mean, he's hung around and putting up Hall of Fame stats that he's still hanging around, and I believe he's a legacy guy, and I believe part of the Hall of Fame is longevity, and he's proven that maybe more than any other back to come in. Curtis Martin, the legendary Jet, longevity on the back end of his career. What should the Raiders expect from Gore and his hunger and for the Raiders to tackle him? Does he have a lot left in the tank? Yeah, just that. I mean, he's hungry. He runs hard. He's the consummate professional. Um, and he gets touches now because the Jets had a rookie running back, LaMichael Pirine, who you would have thought, and certainly it did happen, he got a lot more involved, many more touches, much more of the focus of the offense once they shipped away Le'Veon Bell. And LaMichael Pirine two weeks ago got a high ankle sprain, and he may not play again this year. I mean, who knows? So, yeah, I mean, right now it's, it's basically Frank Gore and a couple of like young, unproven running backs behind him that give him – you know, a blow for a, you know two or three mm-hmm. snaps at a time. But I would be surprised if Frank Gore isn't out there for 75 80% of the Jets' offensive snaps. Yeah. Hey, Bob, as we wrap this up, Brent Musburger's on the call for the Raiders, and obviously his travel at his age, and he would have been able to travel if there wasn't COVID restrictions. But we, we went back and we started off with this rivalry and Kurt Gowdy on the call and all the legends that have called Raiders' Jet games over the years. And now Brent Musburger. It's calling Raider games with Lincoln Kennedy. I think that is so cool when you hear a touchdown. He's now saying jackpot because it's Vegas and it's got that feel for the touchdowns. And for you as a broadcaster who's in your absolute prime and been doing this a while, what is that like when, you, when you're doing a game knowing in the other booth is going to be the Brett, great Brett Musburger? Yeah, it's not lost on me, believe me. Um, it's yeah. not lost on me that I sit in the same chair and, uh, and, and now have the microphone at Marty Glickman once held for such a long time as the jet broadcaster. So, um, you know, when you're talking about the Raiders, the big West Coast guys, and then the New York guys that have been in these chairs, uh, there's a legacy there. You know, it's funny, when I was first starting at ESPN, we used to have these seminars, and we still do, but don't do them as much in, in, in person. Certainly didn't do it in person this year, where they bring all of the football announcers together to cover college football. And the first year I remember um, that I was a part of that seminar they had all of the play-by-play guys in like a breakout session go to a big conference room at the hotel we were having the conference at. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in a conference room with Ron Franklin and Mike Patrick and Sean McDonough and Brent Musburger and Brad Nessler. You know, I mean, I'm looking around the room thinking, what am I doing in here? Like, why? How did I end up here? And I didn't open my mouth. I basically sat in that room and just let those guys either tell stories, talk about how they prepare, talk about what the things they find helpful during a broadcast, tricks of the trade, that kind of thing. And it was like a two-hour master's class in, in doing this job. And, you know, and Brent was one of the guys that probably shared as much, if not more, inside info in that meeting as anyone. And those guys don't need to do that. You know, they, 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 don't, they don't need to sit there and, and tell a young guy, you know, all of their secrets. But, uh, you know, hopefully now that I'm, I'm, you know, approaching 50 and been doing this for about 25 years now, that I will be able to pay that forward as the years go by as well. Yeah, I would have loved to have stopped by the booth, booth and said hi to you as I travel with the team, but that's not happening this year. And uh, I'm not losing a trip year. back home. I'm losing a trip back home to see my mom and dad and my sisters and my family. And it's always uh, – it's always a game I circle when that falls on the schedule. Bob, wait till you get out to Vegas finally and see this. 
Allegiant Stadium because the Jets are always playing the Raiders. Whenever that schedule comes out every couple of years, I know it's going to be there. When you come to Vegas and you call a Jet game and you see the Jet fans that travel out to Vegas, with or without the ticket, just to be involved with this atmosphere and come into Allegiant Stadium, it's going to blow you away. Yeah, I, I, I've actually covered the last two last two or last three West Coast Conference championships, mm-hmm. like basketball, during you know the March Champ Week. Um, and, you know, so Gonzaga and St. Mary's and, you know, that, that whole group of teams, they hold their postseason tournament at the Orleans Arena. And so the drive back and forth from the hotel over to the Orleans the last couple of years has been to go past the stadium. And so two years ago, going past the stadium, seeing, like, the guts of it, like the superstructure, you could see inside, you could see the, the seats going in and the scoreboards going in. And then this past year... I mean, it was basically they were putting, like, the, you know, the big letters on the outside of the stadium, and they were, like, spit-shining the glass. I mean, it, you know, I was riding, I'm like, wow, look, that is incredible. And little did I know that a week later we would be told that that would be it. You know, a week later I was at the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City, and they were sending us home because COVID hit. Um, yeah. And we're still in the middle of that. So, yeah, the Jets were supposed to, you know, uh, I was supposed to be out there potentially to do a game for Westwood. I mean, there was, you know, there was there was a trip in my future um, to to go to the stadium, and it looked amazing from the outside. I can't wait to ultimately at some point have a chance to see inside. Yeah, with T-Mobile and Allegiant Stadium and what we have going on out here, and you know Vegas, we need we need the country to open up just like we need it for New York down the road. Hey, Bob, yep. I really appreciate you doing this. Our good friend Chris Gargano was in a big role with the Raiders, went to the Jets, and he's one of my great friends, and I'm happy he could set this up. And uh, I respect the work you're doing, and from time to time you come on my Mad Dog show with me on Sirius XM. So have a great call on the game, and we'll catch up with you down the road. I really appreciate it. In, in spite of the fact that Gargano set it up, I was happy to do it. <laughs> Take care, Bob. Be good. Uh, there he is, Bob Wachusen, joining us. The play-by-play, the play-by-play voice of the Jets going into the Raiders at the Jets. That's what we do here on the game plan. And he told you, I'm thinking he's going to tell you this team's going to be a dangerous team, this or that. He told you, unless they throw it over the top, over the Raiders on the top, there shouldn't be much to worry about. That's coming from the play-by-play voice of the Jets. So tackle Frank Gore. You don't want to send Frank Gore. He's going to the Hall of Fame. You don't want to see Frank Gore as he gets inducted six years from now into the Hall of Fame that they show a 30-yard touchdown against the Raiders. You don't want to see that. Tackle him, get Sam Darnold off the field, and then Carr's got to pick them apart. Thanks to Bob Wischusen for joining us on the game plan. We're still really young. Uh, We are missing some key players. Uh, I'm not going to worry about anything down the road except the Jets. And if you watch the Jets play yesterday, they're a handful. They're going to be hard. They're going to be hard to move the ball on. Greg Williams and this defense give people problems. Uh, we've got to take better care of the ball. We've got to play better collectively on defense. And we've got to make some timely plays in a kicking game. Touchdown, Las Vegas. Since starting Allegiant some 20 years ago, we've flown more than 100 million people to be with those they love. We're pilots, flight attendants, and technicians, but we're also parents, spouses, and neighbors. And just like you, we're excited to reconnect with the people and places that matter most. That's why we're going the distance for health and safety, on the ground and in the air. Because the further we go now, the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow. Allegiant, the official airline of the Las Vegas Raiders. Low fares, nonstop flights, only at Allegiant.com. All right, let's continue on the game plan with one of the greatest football players of all time. 
part of the NFL's 100th anniversary all-time team, the Super Bowl champ, the Hall of Famer, and former Raider player and coach, Rod Woodson joins us on the game plan. Rod, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us. It means a lot to us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I had uh, some good food, and I had a couple days after that that I kept on eating, so I gained a little weight over the before Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm sure you ran it off, and uh, you're going to work it off. Hey, Rod, that game against Atlanta, nobody saw it coming. You know, the Raiders and Gruden saw a tough matchup, and I said all week on radio, it's Matt Ryan, it's Matt Ryan. He's had a great career, and maybe he could have a decent game, but it was almost a no-show for the Raiders. Looking back at that game, what do you think happened? Yeah, you know, I, you know, when I looked at the next two games, you know, going to Atlanta, going to New York, playing the Jets, you know, I thought they were definitely winnable games for the Raiders. Um, but when you when you don't play your best football, and you know, I, I thought that Atlanta could move the ball against them and maybe score some points. Uh, but not to the you know capacity of what they did. Um, every, they just didn't, everything just kind of went wrong for the Raiders in a game like that. Uh, in that game, um, didn't make the plays. The ball bounced in every direction for the Falcons. Um, the defense for the Falcons played the best game of the year for them by far. Um, and you know when you play like that and you go on the road and a team plays the best game that they play and you play the worst game of the year, those outcomes happen. Rod, I'm having a philosophy issue with the Raider defense because they're not getting a good enough pass rush. Cleveland Farrell didn't play in the last game because of COVID issues. So they're trying to get players who are available. Mike Mayock is adding players on the defensive line. They brought in Rod Marinelli, who I know you respect a lot. And on the back end, that young safety, Jonathan Abram, he was nowhere to be found on that Kelsey touchdown on Sunday night. But then he comes up and tries to blow up plays like you or Jack Tatum here. So if you look at this defense, what do you see with some of the youth, the veterans, how they're trying to either play a soft zone at time to time, play cover? I just don't think they're very consistent on defense. How do you see it? Well, I mean, that's, you know, if you look at Paul Gunther's history, this is kind of the defense he plays. You know, you go back, he talked about the Sunday night game against KC uh, and the touchdown pass. Uh, it was a three-by-one. They they did a, you know, coverage ID, had the back motion out, had motioned him back into the backfield. It was a three-by-one. They played like a cover six, cover eight, you know, quarter on the backside, on the weak side. At least that's what it looked like. And cover two on the strong side, on the three-receiver side. And anytime you do that, Abram has to be three decks. He just saw Kelsey. Uh, he didn't see Kelsey. He saw Patrick Mahomes, and for some odd reason, he came out of his depth and started going toward Patrick Mahomes, who was rolling out to his far right side. He wasn't going to make a play, and he just threw it over everybody's head for the touchdown. So, but you know, and that's what happens when you have young players, TJ. I mean, JT's. Um, you have young players, they make bad plays. They make silly yeah. plays. And, you know, the unfortunate thing in today's football is that we want our young players to play like five-year, six-year vets. And they're still learning. I mean, I was the same thing. I played the same way when I was my first couple of years in the National Football League. I've made mistakes. Uh, as long as he's not a repeat performer um, and having those same mistakes come up, come over um, game after game and play after play, then he's going to grow. Uh, it is a good young secondary. 
Um, they just, you know, they got, they're going to have their growing pains. And, you know, I would like to see Paul Gunther blitz more just to get pressure on the quarterback, to speed up the process of a quarterback so he can't go through his read on a consistent basis. Um, I, I would like to see that happen on a, um, on a more consistent basis, but that's not who Paul is. You know, Paul plays it kind of safe to the vest. Um, and, you know, as a, as a young secondary keeps getting better, and more experienced, they're going to play better football. And, you know, the rush helps the coverage. The coverage is going to help the rush. Um, and I think in the next couple of years, you're going to have a solid defense. Rod Woodson, kind enough to join us. Yeah, I'm fascinated by you not only as a player, but you coached. And when you had young defensive backs, if you look at Damon Arnett or Jonathan Abram at safety, and you decide you're going to go down that road. So they didn't keep Prince Amakamura. They let him go, and they decided to go with youth. And I'm fine with that. Arnett, first-round pick from Ohio State because they didn't have a second-round pick, Rod. And they thought by the third round they wouldn't be able to get a starting cover corner, so they got him. And Abram, he only played 30 minutes last year. And I love him when he comes up and stops to run. But this is crunch time now. It's almost like they got to run the table to make the postseason. And I think other offensive coordinators and quarterbacks are saying, look, the weakness of the Raiders is either over the middle of the field where they brought in Littleton, who hasn't played really that well. Kwiatkowski has been fantastic for them. But, what, Rod, when yeah, they yeah. blitz, when, they're, when they blitz, they're opening up the middle of the field, and it seems like quarterbacks are finding the opening in the middle of the field and picking up chunk yards like Mahomes did on Sunday night. Mahomes didn't have a completion for over 22 yards. The Kelsey touchdown was the longest completion, and I was blown away that he stayed with chipping and hitting the Raiders underneath and killing them that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, when you have a young group and, you know, you look at the defensive line, they're all younger players. Uh, I, you know, I look at the roster and, you know, Eric Harris is the only leftover, well, it's also Merle, uh, the two guys when I was there. It's a young group. And, you know, the one thing I would like to see the secondary do better is have a mindset of always stay on top. No scenes, no post, no goes. I mean, that has to be their mindset. No scenes, no mm-hmm. post, no goes. And when you give up 29 points a game, but you're only scoring 26 and a half points a game, it's hard to win the vast majority of the games in the National Football League. It, it just is. So, you know, I think it's, it's a young secondary. They're going to keep growing, like I said. Um, they got some speedy linebackers. They got linebackers that can make plays. They need better pass rush on a consistent basis, but then a pass rush can be helped by bringing more pressure, and that can help you know open up. And I, you know, I love Max Cosby. He reminds me of Michael McCrary uh, mm-hmm. when I played for the Baltimore Ravens, who has a high motor. He's very athletic. He he just always he'll crawl to the quarterback if Max has to to get to the quarterback to make a sack. Those are the type of players you can win with. And so I think it's a good young, you know, secondary. It is crunch time. They have to win. You can't go to New York and lay another egg. You know, they have to go to New York, win that game, put themselves back in contention for the postseason, because we all know once you get to the postseason, anything can happen. Yeah, Rod, what I loved about your game, and you played for so many great legendary franchises, that especially when you were playing safety in your career, if you had to cover a great tight end, you were able to put your hands on that tight end. You were able to get up and cover that tight end if you had to, and then if you had to leave them to go and run support, everybody can count on you to tackle. Is that just me? Is that becoming harder and harder to do 
for young players coming out of college because in the Big 12, they're throwing it at every down. The SEC, they're throwing it all the time that you just don't have the skill set in your rookie second, third year to be able to cover a great tight end and then come up and run support. And as a lot of guys tell me, be disciplined with your eyes when you're a young player. Can you touch on that? Yeah, I mean, listen, there's, there's zone eyes and then there's man eyes. You know, zone eyes, you can see more. Man eyes, you can see less. And, you know, it's, I, I think what happened from collegiate football to the NFL, you know, you know, everybody wants the, you know, tackle, strip, punch, the peanut Tillman, punch, tackle, cause a fumble. Everybody's trying to get a turnover on every single down. And you see consistently throughout, not just, you know, with the Oakland or with the Las Vegas Raiders, is that you see throughout the National Football League is that players, defensive players, don't make tackles and they're trying to get the ball out. And offensive players are gaining extra yardage because of that. You know, my thing is get the ball down first, tackle the football, but then the second and third guy. If you can come in and get the ball out, those your turnovers are going to occur. And turnovers are going to occur in bunches. You know, you don't get them. It's, it's hard to get them, you know, week in and week out, but they'll come in bunches. And, mm-hmm. you know, the hard thing is when they play in space so much in college, they come in, you know, I know one thing that kind of surprised me is that when I, they had to backpedal, most of the defensive backs couldn't naturally backpedal because in college they learned to turn and run. And, you know, when you learn the foundation of playing defensive back in, in, in any sports, you have to stay square through 15 yards. But most guys don't do that anymore. That's not the foundation of what they're taught growing up. So they don't have that same foundation that I had growing up because the game is a little bit different. But it's still, you know, just think of, you know, I played against run and shoot. I played against the K-Gun. Everybody's doing the running. Everybody's running the K gun today. But you still can be fundamentally sound in what you do, and you have to tackle the ball first. And I said it before, the mindset has to be no scenes, no posts, no goals. Keep everything in front of us. And when they when they let the ball go and it does get caught, we rally to the football as a group, and we're going to get the ball out. We might not get it out in the first quarter, but it's going to come out by the second or third or fourth quarter because we're going to keep hitting them and keep hitting them. And after a while, that ball will pop out. Rod, last one. You know Coach Gruden and you know some of the coaches still on the staff. What do you think they have to do to get a win against the Jets? I mean, it's an inferior team. Not a lot of people in the Jets organization even want to win. They're tanking for Trevor Lawrence. But you know as a former player, all the players want to win. They don't want to be associated with an 0-16 legacy team. So what does Coach Gruden have to say once that plane lands, they're at the facility, they're there on game day, and they got to get the best out of them? Because I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Raiders if they don't start fast and they're down in this game and they got to find a way to come back in this game. What do you think the key is for the Raiders to get off the mat and beat the Jets? I think all Gruden has to do is talk about what happened last year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, were, they had the same record going into the Jets last year and the Jets beat them. And so you can't have that repeated performance there. The, the Las Vegas Raiders are a better football team than New York. Jets. But every team in the National Football League has talent. So you have to perform. You have to do your job. You have to perform at your best every single down, every single play, every single snap. And if they do that in New York, they'll win the game because they they do have more talent. I think, and I like their scheme on offense. Derek Carr has played really good football. Um, 
you know, hopefully Josh Jacobs, hopefully he'll, uh, he'll play. I know he was a little banged up, um, you know, but, you know, if they can have their running game, if Derek Carr can take care of the football like he's done for the most part all the season and they can score over, you know, 27, 28 points, uh, I believe they'll get that victory and they'll go back into the winning column. You know, losing two games in a row in November, December, it's not a good thing in the national football. Absolutely, Rod. I'm thrilled you're out here in Vegas. We got a lot of catching up to do once it gets to the point when we could do that again with Coben. And I always appreciate your time. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, thanks, brother. Take care now. You got it. Rod Woodson, great to have him. Great to have him and give us some perspective on the young secondary. Jonathan Abram, Arnett, Paul Gunther's system, and what needs to happen. Because Rod was one of the greatest players of all time because he played safety and corner at a Hall of Fame level at both positions. I don't know if that'll happen again. Charles Woodson was able to do it. Charles did it, you know, from a corner to the safety. But Rod is, you know, arguably better than Charles. They're right there. Rod's one of the most decorated players to ever play the game. And he coached with the Raiders, and his his mind and his eyes tell a really cool story. Thanks for Rod Woodson for joining us on the game plan. It's not a stat I'm proud of. You know, it's not it's not something that I love. It's honestly there's nothing that makes me more sick after a game if is if I threw an interception or fumbled the football, no matter the reason. Like it it makes me visibly upset, you know, and win or loss. So on the game plan this week as we take a look at the Jets, the Raiders upcoming opponent, Anthony Beck kind enough to join us, former twelve year NFL tight end and unbelievable football analyst, also part of the Jets pre- and post-game broadcast, and Anthony, you saw the Raiders really struggle against Atlanta. I mean, really struggle in this last game, and all of a sudden, it becomes a pressure-packed game for John Gruden and the Raiders as they travel out to Jersey to take on the Jets. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I was shocked. I mean, I felt like they were a really good play in this game going on the road. I mean, you really you come off a Chiefs game that, quite honestly, from a game plan's perspective and just, you know, dialing it up and, and really being as close as you can possibly be, uh, j- just a, a very disappointing performance. It's hard, it's hard to even fathom what the expectation level will be for this team now, and you're right. Uh, you know, you're playing against uh, an, an Ofer team in the New York Jets. You're traveling across the country. Uh, you know, what is the mindset? You know, are you groomed for – uh, more poor play, or do you bounce back and, and, and be the team that we saw, you know, against the Chiefs? So uh, this is a, this is a big game. You're right, six and five. I mean, you're sitting pretty at you know six and four. You feel like you go on the road against two very poor football teams, and you feel like you can steal two games. Well, right now, you're right. This is a pressure game for, for, for the Raiders. What do the Raiders need to be concerned about with Quinn and Williams and the defense up front? John Gruden said he thinks it's going to be a street fight here because the Jets are doing some things well. As you cover this team, what do the Raiders need to be concerned about? Yeah, you know, Quinn and Williams is playing at a Pro Bowl level. You know, that, that's yeah. uh, And that's you know tough to say when you have a team that doesn't have any wins, but he clearly is making a difference. The problem is the pieces around him up front uh, have been hit or miss. Jordan Jenkins, uh, you know, hasn't really done much on his one-year contract coming back, being a Jet. Henry Anderson's been off and on. He really hasn't had the complementary pieces. So what he's been doing has really been extraordinary, being that he is the guy. Um, you know, a lot of youth right now in the secondary. Uh, Pierre Desir is a guy that's not on the team anymore. Bryce, uh, Bryce Hall from Virginia, rookie. He's been playing more. Uh, Lamar Jackson, who's come up from the practice squad, 
He's playing. Uh, Millett, who, you know, was there last year, but not a ton of experience. You know, Marcus May is a guy uh, that, that, that has been that nice fill-in, uh, replacing Jamal Adams in his role. But, unfortunately, you, you need all the pieces to kind of blend together. They have played well, you know, even though they, they came up short against the Dolphins. They did give them uh, opportunities, the offense at least, to, you know, got the ball back, forced a, a few turnovers. But, again, the, 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 the offense was not able to come through and then make any plays. Anthony Beck, kind enough to join us from the Jets angle. Uh, former excellent 12-year tight end in the league. Had a great career. Now doing an unbelievable job as an analyst. So after the Jamal Adams trade to the Seahawks, the Jets got a lot in return. And as a former player, and you've seen this before, when ownership and management decides to make moves in season – it either deflates the locker room or maybe guys are competing hard for jobs. The Adam Gaze play-calling issue that's dominating the media cycle this week, you played in this league. How excited are the players to win a game and get off the snide and not go down in Jets history for being a winless program? Yeah, you know, look, they're, they're fighting hard. Uh, they have the intensity. I mean, the effort level has been there. But, you know, to be quite honest with you, you know, it's been it's been crazy with the injuries that have happened. You finally get Sam Darnold back on the field. And, you know, I, he had a nice resurgence after he came back from a short stint from an injury back this season, played well against the Broncos. I was expecting a little bit more, but maybe that was a little more uh, precarious to think that after missing four games. He played okay, but two bad interceptions in the football game. Frank Gore was a nice uh, – uh, run piece in the first half, but they just didn't have enough to make it happen in the second half, and that's really been the story. This team has not played four quarters of football, uh, both offensive and defensively, and you know in this in this league, if, if you don't do that or you're not exceptional on one side, it's impossible to win, and you look at the schedule moving forward, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a tough go. No easy opponents. Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Patriots. I mean, you know, listen, you know, I'd hate to see this team go over, but uh, there, there's not too many outlooks of games here where you got to feel real confident. Anthony, on the offensive side, when Sam Darnold came out, I was a fan, and I still am. When you get drafted by a team that's struggling, look at Joe Burrow and the injury. Other quarterbacks have been in this position before. Where's the fan base with Sam Darnold now? Do they realize this and want to give him a shot potentially with a new coach and a new staff, or is he playing his last games for the Jets? Well, you know, everybody's enamored with Trevor Lawrence. You know, everybody yeah. thinks that he is the next coming of the quarterback coming out of the college ranks. You know, listen, I agree. I've covered Trevor for multiple years now. He is an exceptional talent. Uh, you know, but there is a part of that fan base that wants to see Sam and wants to grade Sam with all his weapons in all his pieces in front of him. This was the first game this past week where he had Perryman, Mims, Crowder, and, of course, uh, Herndon all in place. They did. They were missing their right tackle. They were down to their third string. That's kind of important when you're talking about having the pieces there. But, you know, I think Sam's going to improve every week. I would not judge him on this game. I definitely, you know, he's very athletic. He can move around in the pocket. He can extend plays. He's sneaky fast for a quarterback. And, you know, I would say right now it's 70-30, 30% leaning on Sam, 70% people excited of the fact that they are in the running for, for Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, Sam's got a great opportunity to, to finish the season and, 
and make his case, and, and you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Uh, finally, as we wrap this up, your assessment of the Raiders, we talked about the disappointing loss, but a lot of good wins this year and one of the toughest schedules in football. Now all the Raider Nation believe they're in this easy portion of the schedule that started with Atlanta, and they got smoked in that game. And now the Jets game is supposed to be even easier than that. And Derek Carr has got to turn this around quickly if the Raiders are going to make a playoff run. How do you see it? Yeah, you know, I mean, you go back to the Buccaneers game. Obviously, I'm down in Tampa. Got to cover that game a little bit. And they really bounced back strong. Big wins within the division. The Broncos, the Chargers. uh, You know, that Chiefs game was as good as a team could play. I I just felt like they were well prepared. Uh, Gruden does an excellent job of having uh, the answers for the test for these guys from a preparation standpoint. You know, I don't know if I'll look too much into this Atlanta game. You know, sometimes teams just get bumped, uh, you know, whatever that may be, the travel schedule, the situation. You know, you look at a team's record, you can bypass it. Uh, there's no doubt. But, you know, with the weapons that, you know, you have with Renfro and Ruggs and Aguilar and Waller, I mean, these guys should be hard to stop. There's no reason why Derek Carr in this offense, as, as along with Jacobs, who, you know, obviously didn't get the rushing yards because of the score in this game, the balance that they have and the ability to, you know, play well. I thought Derek Carr was playing well up to last week. So, you know, usually you'd see that's a little bump blip, blip in the schedule, and then all of a sudden you can come back and get back on track. So, look, this will be a tough game. The Jets will play hard. It's always scary playing against a team that, unfortunately, you know, is in the lower tier, that doesn't have anything to play for, that, you know, anything's an option, right? Special teams, fakes, all of those things now become factors versus good teams, and they want to be spoilers. So this is a huge game for the Raiders, uh, and it's, it'll be a challenge. I definitely think that you know they can control the game and they have the better players. But you know in this business, in this league, every week we see craziness, 49ers beating the Rams. I mean, just games that you would never think that you check the box and say they would win a lot of the Falcons-Raiders game last week, and, and, and things turn for the worst. Thanks, Anthony. I really appreciate your work. Thanks for joining us on the game plan. Really uh, thank you for your time. You got it. Anytime. Be well. You got it. Anthony back joining us as we continue here previewing the Jets. And, man, did he sum that up perfectly at the end. Anything could happen, and what the Raiders did by losing that game to Atlanta is they put doubt. They put doubt into fans Uh, People around the league, analysts are wondering now, could the Raiders potentially play back-to-back bad games? The issue becomes now that Las Vegas has to go travel again where they typically don't travel well. And when you don't travel well as a West Coast team, traveling out West, it becomes a cause for concern. So the Raiders can't afford to have something happen like a bad snap, a special team's mistake. Anything like that could really hurt the team and give the Jets life. Now, by all accounts, everything that I've read from talking to people in that market, knowing Jet fans, there aren't many Jet fans that believe this team is even attempting to win. Adam Gaze this week is in the middle of a play-calling scandal where he took over plays, he lied to the media about it. You can't lie to the media at all in New York. You can lie to the media in some smaller markets. But what the NFL does, the NFL takes small markets like Green Bay and makes them global because of the size of the sport in the media. Well, the Jets are an awful franchise, terrible team, but they have elite media, top media market, number one, reporters. And they just served uh, this up to these reporters. So this whole week, instead of Raiders, 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 
over there in the tri-state area of New York, everybody's talking about, all right, here's the deal. We got a coach that's lying. Why is he still here? Why is he still here? Does that help the Raiders? It doesn't do anything for the Raiders. John Gruden knows that this is a tight spot. I can't recall a time when the Raiders had more pressure on him because they can't lose this game under any circumstance. Under any circumstance, the Raiders can't lose this game. They have to win, so that puts maybe more pressure on a handoff, on a pass, on a catch, on anything on special teams, and we all know that. I'm just here to preview the Jets. That's all I want to do this week is to get you, like we did last week, to really focus on how good Atlanta was. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan. How good Ridley was as a receiver. He got open and caught a touchdown, as we talked about in the open. What do the Jets have? They have Quinn and Williams, a force, a defensive force up front who can stop the run and get to the quarterback. So he's going to pose a threat to the Raiders' offensive line. The Raiders have gone 14 straight drives without scoring a touchdown. During that stretch, they have turned over the ball six times, gone three and out three times, punted two other times, kicked two field goals, and turned it over on downs once. So as I saw this, as I get my Raider notes every day, one thing that jumped out for me from Josh Dubow of the Associated Press, and I wasn't aware of this. When I knew this and I saw this, I wanted to get this in this week. The Raiders visit the winless Jets. The Raiders are 1-18 and on the road against AFC and NFC East teams, East teams in the past 13 seasons, with the only win coming when they spent the week in Florida playing before Miami in 2017, and I was, I was on that trip. And did that help out? Yeah, I guess it helped out, and the Raiders were probably going to stay back East if it wasn't for COVID. But 1-18 in 13 seasons against the AFC and the NFC East is not a good sign. It shows that the Raiders struggled traveling. And they went to Cleveland and won, and that was in a weather game. And now they have to play. It look, doesn't look like weather's going to be that big of an issue, but I remember saying that in the podcast heading into the Cleveland game, and the weather can turn on a dime. So these are the Jets. What do they have to play for? They have to play for pride. They have to play for pride, and even though ownership, and I believe ownership wants to lose out, the owners, the Johnson family, they do not want to win. They want to get Trevor Lawrence. It's that important to the franchise. But the players want to win a game because the players in that locker room don't want to walk around the rest of their lives saying they were on an 0-16 team, and they're going to play their ass off against the silver and black. We do emphasize it. Uh, We do try to go out on the practice field and make corrections, whether it be a fundamental error or lack of discipline, we try to emphasize it uh, in the meeting room. We try to drill it and help correct it on the practice field. And um, we send in some of the calls that we don't agree with, so we're all on the same page rules-wise. Thanks to all of our guests, and thanks for joining us this week on the game plan for everyone at Silver and Black Productions. I'm JT. Good luck for the Silver and Black on the road. Next week, we'll get you ready as Philip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts are in Las Vegas, and we'll have it all set up for you on the game plan. Thank you for listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network.